You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox, from Pro Football Focus and BearsWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And today we are back to break down all things Chicago Bears. We're right in the midst of organized team activities season. Every week for a few days each week, the Bears are getting together. They're practicing, they're building confidence, they're building that chemistry, and nothing but glowing reviews are beaming out of Hallis Hall every week. It's our last glimpse of football relevance, anything of importance here before they take their long summer break and we don't hear much from the Bears until training camp. So that means we need to make the most out of the Bears football that we have right now. And I think we need to catch up a little bit on what's been going on at OTAs. We're going to go around the roster a little bit here, break down kind of what we've heard, maybe what we haven't heard and what that means, and, and kind of give a nice little picture of where this team is starting to stand in terms of some of the areas that are a little bit more up in the air, you know, whether that means we don't know who's going to play or who's going to be the starter, or we just don't know how things are going to shake out at certain positions. We're going to jump around a little bit here, hit four different kind of topics of note at OTA so far, a little bit of tight end, a little bit of wide receiver, some pass rush, and of course, we have to talk Mitchell Trubisky. This whole offseason is all centering around this young quarterback. So that's where we're going to finish up today. Let's start with what's probably the deepest position on the Chicago Bears roster, at least entering the 2018 season. It's the tight end group. You know, we saw a lot of action kind of surrounding this position to talk about what's going on with Deion Sims this offseason. The Bears let him stay with his roster bonus, so he's kind of locked in. They, of course, got and signed Trey Burton in free agency. You've got Adam Shaheen coming back, and the, sort of the bottom of the roster guys, Daniel Brown, Ben Broniker, Colin Thompson, you know, the guys that may or may not even have much of a chance at the 53-man roster. But we're kind of seeing uh, a glutton of players here, and we're not exactly sure how things are going to play out when it comes to training camp, preseason, and ultimately the regular season in this other unknown that is Matt Nagy's offense. You know, if this were John Fox and Dow Loggins, we could kind of have a pretty good idea of how these guys are going to be used. But with, with Nagy and, and offensive coordinator Mark Helfrich, we're kind of left here, you know, waiting in anticipation for how these guys are going to be utilized. And, and we've kind of heard a little bit about you know, this U tight end position versus the Y tight end position and sort of the the difference of almost separating two different types of tight ends in this offense. That Deion Sims, he's the inline guy. He's the blocker first, receiver second. He's lining up next to the offensive tackle. He's, he's sort of your traditional NFL tight end. And Trey Burton, he's brought in for that U tight end role. It's more of a slot receiver move him around, line him up on the wing, maybe even put him in the backfield and have him work out of there. Move him to different spots on the field to try and get different mismatches against the defense to try and get a, a, a better coverage situation to give Mitchell Trubisky more options when he's working downfield, especially when you add in 
other guys that they added this offseason or even like Tariq Cohen bringing them back. Now you have more flexibility to get the types of matchups you want for your receivers. So the way this is kind of played out at OTAs, you know, Matt Nagy came out and, and showed support for Deion Sims. He called him a, a valuable piece of the puzzle, someone who he thinks is a good blocker, but also has good hands and can move pretty well, you know, acknowledging that he's not a downfield threat and that he's not going to be someone who strikes fear necessarily into at least the passing game for defensive coordinators, but he's still a guy that Nagy at least wants to promote as a, a valuable piece of the offense. But it begs the question of what's going to happen with Adam Shaheen here. Is he truly able to compete for a starting tight end spot? Or is Deion Sims, based on his $6 million salary and I think, what, four-plus million guaranteed this year, is he sort of pen penciled, written in pen, not quite written in stone, penciled in for starter capacity? And it's interesting that Nagy also mentioned that Adam Shaheen is learning both tight end spots. He's learning, you know, the Deion Sims traditional tight end role, kind of what he did last year as a blocker first. But they're having Shaheen work out of the slot. They're moving him around a little bit. They're trying to get him to understand both roles so he can find more ways onto the field. And not that he isn't going to still compete to be, you know, their starting in-line tight end, but I think there's going to be at the very least, some sort of rotation there that, you know, regardless of whether Shaheen is the starter or Sims is the starter, you're still going to see both pretty significantly. And I think as the year goes on, I'll be curious to monitor how their snaps compare because, you know, will will one truly play a significantly more, a significantly greater number of snaps than the other? I mean, there's if you have three tight ends here that you're trying to get involved in the offense, are they going to be able to find playing time for all of them? How many? How often are you going to keep multiple tight ends on the field? Is, is Trey Burton going to end up playing so much wide receiver that he doesn't really come into the tight end snap role? I mean, you look at last year, the tight end group. Deion Sims was about 580 snaps. Zach Miller, about 300. Daniel Brown, about 250. And, and Adam Shaheen, slightly behind him. So, you know, there, there are opportunities to get guys on the field, but it wasn't as though Shaheen was the number four tight end necessarily last year he just kind of worked out to play the fourth fewest tight end snaps so we'll be curious to see you know does Shaheen play more snaps than Sims even if Sims is the guy on the field for the first play of the game and sort of gets that unofficial start in the stat sheet or are they going to find ways to move Shaheen around and give Burton some breather and just have him be that utility number three tight end who's really just sort of the first backup at both spots or does Deion Sims see his role completely diminish and it's just Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen and, and, and really Deion Sims doesn't play that much at all? We're starting to get a glimpse of how this might play out, but I don't think anything definitive has come out yet. And, and that's the glory of OTAs. You know, it's all positive. It's a bunch of fun stuff. It's the team's going to do great. Everyone's at their best and everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows. We'll see exactly how it plays out at this tight end room, but Nagy's going to have his hands full just trying to find playing time for everybody on his roster. Before we move on to another Bears pass catcher taking some headlines here at OTAs, I want to tell you about the newest sponsor to the Locked On Podcast Network here. We're brought to you today by our friends at BlueChew.com. BlueChew, it's like the little blue pill revolutionized for 2018. It's the first chewable pill 
with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know it's got the same functional ability, but you can take them anytime, day or night, full stomach, empty stomach, you name it. And because they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as that little blue pill. So you can always be ready, you know, whenever that opportunity arises. So Blue Chew, it's prescribed online. It ships straight to your door, a discreet little package. There's no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy. And of course, you get to avoid any awkwardness meeting with anybody. It's it's direct to you. It's private. It's secure. It's one-on-one, and it's a special deal right now for our listeners here on Lockdown Bears. If you visit BlueChew.com, you can get your first shipment free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. All you got to do, you pay shipping. I think it's like roughly $5, and you go to BlueChew.com, B L U E. C-H-E-W dot com, promo code locked on to try it free. Remember, Blue Chew, it's the better, faster, cheaper choice. And we really thank them for sponsoring our podcast today. Helps us bring you more Chicago Bears talk on Locked On Bears. Moving on to a player who could use some kind of boost, it's Kevin White. Every offseason, it's the same story with him. Is this going to be the year he stays healthy, starts to live up to his expectations, looks like a number 7th overall pick, is going to be the big wide receiver? We hear it every single offseason. I'm not getting my hopes up. We've talked about it a little bit in previous episodes, but he got to meet with the media again this past week or so, and he's, he's not taking too kindly to the outside criticism. He was short. He was stern. I think the Chicago Sun-Times went as far as to call him salty with the media. You know, quick three-word answers. I'm not concerned. I believe in myself. I'm not worried about a contract. Move on to the next thing. He's trying to stay focused on the field, and I can definitely respect that. But it doesn't do him any good to act out a little bit more to the media and to the public. I mean, if anything... It just adds more headlines and gives him more attention, which I would think is what he's trying to avoid. Whereas if he had just come out and smile on his face, yeah, you know, it's been tough and I've been working hard and I really think this year is going to be the year, guys, and I'm looking forward to it and I love Mitch and I love Matt Nagy, then I think the noise kind of goes away. But because he was so tense and, and tacit and sharp and all these adjectives with the media, I think it only, you know puts more pressure on him and maybe gives opinionists in the Chicago media more fuel to the fire to be critical of him. I just, I don't quite get the mindset, the mindset or the mentality there, but you know, I think the Bears coaches are doing their best to try and take things off of him. His wide receiver coach talked about how, you know, they're not putting any expectations on him. They're not saying he needs to do X, Y, or Z. He just needs to be him, play his game, get, stay healthy, and perform to the best of his abilities and learn the offense. Because, you know, I think one of the things that gets a little bit overlooked with this Kevin White situation, I mean, despite the injuries and despite how raw he was coming out of college, he's now on his fourth wide receiver coach in four years with the Bears. I mean, that's that's tough. And, you know, that hasn't been his fault. It hasn't been anything he's done wrong to have gotten that turnover at the coaching position. 
but now you've had four straight off seasons with four different voices telling him to do things maybe four slightly different ways. I mean, obviously, every wide receiver coach is going to coach wide receivers to do generally the same things, and they're all pushing Kevin White to the same goal, but they're going to have different ways of going about it. They're going to call things different things. I mean, especially with Matt Nagy's offense, it's brand new terminology for everything, and that can make a player already going through a difficult transition in his career can make that transition that much more difficult. And I I can feel for Kevin White in that scenario that he just hasn't had any continuity. I mean, that's the same goes for all the other wide receivers on the roster. And I think Josh Bellamy is actually the only other receiver on the team that's been around for all four wide receiver coaches. Weird to digress here, weird side note that Josh Bellamy is still the oldest wide receiver on the Bears roster. I think he's a year or two older than Taylor Gabriel. Like He's the veteran in the room. But anyway, with Kevin White, it's it's just a difficult situation for him because it's that turnover that maybe you, you haven't seen the turnover in the head coach or even the offensive coordinator that much, but four different wide receiver coaches, four different years. And, and, and it isn't just Kevin White at these positions. I mean, Jordan Howard has had now three running backs coaches in three different years, hasn't negatively impacted his game, at least from what we can tell on the outside. But I think that's sort of under the radar here as one of the most critical factors for this Matt Daggy offense. Is It's not just getting innovative and kind of bringing everything up to 2018, but how about giving these players the same coaches, the same offensive coordinator, the same system, for more than one year in a row here. I mean, we kind of saw it last year. You know, Dowell Loggins was here for two years in a row, but you saw a lot of turnover with position coaches. You saw quarterback fluidity and a lot of change there. You've seen so much turnover on this roster. But if the Bears can build a little bit of an offensive nucleus here with their quarterback in place, their running backs in place, wide receiver position invested in and set down, tight end position, you have your young guy in Shaheen, you have your versatile weapon in Burton, those guys are here for the long term. This offensive line got younger, and you still kind of have the same starters. You have some, hopefully, the foundation of some continuity with this offense, the way that this defense now has that continuity. And and I think that's going to help them really take their game to the next level and at least maintain the top 10 level that we saw them get to last year. So many of the same guys brought back for 2018. It's really going to help them continue to transition forward, but it's also going to help us on this podcast transition forward because I want to go to the defense next because I think as much as all the positivity that comes out of OTAs, I like to look for the things that we're not hearing. We've heard about the offense. We've heard everything we can about the offense. Defensively, it's been a little bit quiet, but we're starting to hear about how they're challenging Trubisky, and especially coverage-wise in the secondary, Fangio is mixing things up, throwing new things at, at Mitch to try and help him grow as a quarterback and to try and help this offense get up to speed and, and then grow even beyond what might, Matt Nagy might be trying to initially install. But within all of that, what we're not hearing a lot about is one of the biggest weaknesses on this defense that I still have circled metaphorically on my Bears depth chart here, and that's the outside linebacker position and this pass rush in general. You know, Leonard Floyd is still sitting out from his injury and hasn't been able to return to OTAs. So right now, I think you're looking at Aaron Lynch and Sam Acho 
working with the first team. And, you know, there's a lot of reason to be excited about what Aaron Lynch could produce for the Bears. He hasn't produced that in the last few years in San Francisco. He's back with the defensive coordinator who got the most out of him during his first two years. But if I remember right, he's never had more than like seven sacks in a year. I mean, this is not a 10-sack guy that they're trying to get back to. They're just trying to get back to a, a promising player. And we'll see if they can even get to that point with him. And then you've got Sam Acho, who I've talked about as, I think, that ideal number three outside linebacker. He's good against the run. He's a pretty good pass rusher. He's good in coverage. He's not great in any one area, and I think that makes a strong rotational player. And then you can't forget about the rookie sixth-round pick out of Utah, Kylie Fitz. And also, I guess, Isaiah Irving, the undrafted free agent from last year. But you're really not seeing a lot of depth at this pass rusher position, and you've got a lot of guys with question marks with injury, particularly in your two starters, Floyd and Lynch. And I'm I'm not so sure how well this is going to play out. I mean, with OTAs, we don't get to hear a lot. And so at the risk of speculating here, I, I would guess a, a Sam Acho, Aaron Lynch pass rush, it may be a, a little bit lackluster this early in OTAs. I mean, those neither one of those guys is a proven big-time playmaking pass rusher. But at the same time, it's OTAs. It's it's not the time where your guys truly emerge and play like they're going to be in mid-season form. But also, I mean, this is not, you know, full contact physical football. So I don't know if the pass rush is going to be as visible. You know, they can't touch Mitchell Trubisky. They can't, you know, disrupt the play and, and bring the quarterback down and, and risk potentially injuring him. So how well can you properly evaluate pass rush at this point? I think the Bears are benefiting from that, that I think if this were training camp and the media were able to share a little bit more and fans were able to see a little bit more and there was a little bit more physical contact, maybe you'd start to see some pass rush question marks at the very least start to emerge, especially as long as Leonard Floyd remains out, although all indications are he and Allen Robinson should be set to go for training camp and everything will be on track there. I'm just curious to see exactly where the growth comes, if it comes, and to what extent it comes from this pass rush, particularly at the outside linebacker position. We know Akeem Hicks is going to bring it on the inside. Goldman can get some push there. Jonathan Bullard, Roy Robertson, Harris, you're hoping to get something there. That's a little bit of a different story, but these edge rusher positions are so important in Vic Fangio's defense, not only rushing the passer, but also holding up against the run. And this is going to be, I think one of the under-the-radar storylines to kind of watch as this team goes forward because I think this defense may only go as far as their pass rush is going to take them, and I have some real question marks about how far that might be. If the defense is only going to go as far as the pass rushers take them, then obviously the offense, and I think the entire Chicago Bears team, it's only going to go as far as Mitchell Trubisky takes them. And, you know, this is such a huge offseason for him, it's been all about him, and everything about the growth of this team, I think, starts and ends with Mitchell Trubisky. I think one of the areas that gets a little bit overlooked here is just that this is actually his first full offseason with the team. He comes in you know, a little bit later in the process last year. He gets the playbook later than everybody else. He, he has to kind of learn on the fly, and 
he's not in charge. He's coming in as the backup. He's not working with the starters from day one, even though that day one is even later than everyone else's day one. So he gets even less time to have worked with the starting unit that he would eventually take over. And so this is really Trubisky's first opportunity, not only just his first opportunity in the Chicago Bears environment and, you know, getting to work with this playbook all spring and kind of start to get to know the coaches, but it's his first season leading the team. It's his first season really in charge and in command. And, you know, Matt Nagy and Dave Ragone, the quarterback's coach, and Mark Helfrich, the offensive coordinator, they've all kind of talked about Trubisky growing in that leadership area, all the things that you want to hear about a quarterback coming out at this time. Of course, that's always going to be the case. But I thought it was interesting that Aaron Rodgers, of all people, he was asked about second-year quarterbacks, and I think specifically he was asked about Deshaun Watson, but what he said I think applies just as much to Mitch Trubisky. And he said that he thought his second year as a starter was the hardest, and that generally speaking, year two is the hardest for quarterbacks. Every team out there has watched tape on Trubisky. There's no surprises in that sense. They're able to key in on his strengths and weaknesses from last year, and find ways to try and exploit them. And, you know, the the Minnesota Vikings have played him twice. The Detroit Lions have played him twice. The Packers only played him once, but there's still 12 games of game tape of Mitchell Trubisky throwing passes out there for other teams to scout. And what you're going to see, I think, in a more difficult year two is that it's not going to be this all-positive growth. You know, friend of the podcast, Mark Schofield from Inside the Pylon, He talks all the time about how quarterback development isn't linear in the sense that you don't start at the bottom and every year you go a little bit farther up, a little bit farther up in like a graph, a straight line going up at a diagonal angle. It's not always that linear growth that you get better a little bit every year and just continue to get better until you get over the hump. There's a lot of ups and downs that, you know, a player might have a strong rookie year and then go backwards in year two and then go up in year three and four and then go down for year five. And I mean, you even see like veteran quarterbacks, you know, Matt Ryan and I think Joe Flacco is a great example that these guys can get better and then get worse. And so we might not necessarily see Trubisky take this huge step if other teams start to figure him out. But I think the one thing that Trubisky has to rely back on here is a little bit of that element of surprise coming back with Matt Nagy. The Bears' offense is going to be a little bit new for everybody. You know, I think other teams, they can watch tape of Kansas City's offense, and then they can watch tape of Trubisky and kind of piece together generally how things might go and how Matt Nagy, you can kind of try and put yourself in his shoes that if if I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm looking at what the Bears' offense could be, Nagy's going to try and maximize Trubisky's strengths and minimize his weaknesses in the structure of the KC offense. So you can kind of piece together how that might look, but you can't truly prepare for exactly how it's going to be when Trubisky and the Bears offense take the field in September. And, you know, as the year goes on, maybe you can start to figure it out, but the Bears are going to be able to throw some new things at people. And that's really going to help Trubisky try and avoid that sophomore slump and throw new things at teams that might feel like they figured him out. And, you know, there's there's reason to be excited there. There's also reason to feel like, you know, there's going to be a learning curve for Trubisky that Nagy can't throw too much out there too early with this Bears team that they're going to have to go back to some of the basics and, and work in plays that Trubisky can run even if they're not 
necessarily everything that Matt Nagy wants to do. There's going to be times when maybe Trubisky struggles on some plays that he isn't as strong at, and there's going to be that learning curve throughout the year. And I think you're going to see Trubisky throw some more interceptions. You might see another fourth quarter interception or two like we saw quite a bit last year. Maybe you don't see the three interception game against the Detroit Lions. Maybe you see a much more dynamic offense, more touchdowns, higher completion percentage, more yards per attempt, all the stats. But you're going to see the mistakes in there. And, you know, as much as we get the positive spin that always comes out of OTAs, it's important to take a step back, be a little realistic about it, not probably not going to get a 4,000-yard, 40-touchdown season with five interceptions. You're probably not going to get, you know, 1,500 yards from Allen Robinson and another 1,000 from Trey Burton and Tariq Cohen with 800 rushing yards and 800 passing yards and all these, you know, top-end offensive production. We're going to see improvement. We're going to see an offense in the 21st century, which will be a nice change of pace, and you're going to see a defense maintain continuity from last season. What that takes the shape of in terms of wins and losses, that's, I think, going to be the most difficult thing to predict with this team. There's so much unpredictability, a lot of reasons to be excited, and a lot of reasons to tune in to what the Chicago Bears are going to do this season. We're just keeping it real with you. That's what we try and do here on Locked On Bears. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Keep following along with the podcasts. We'll be breaking down as much Bears talk as we can this offseason. It's going to be a little bit few and far between as far as uh, fresh thoughts out of Hallis Hall after OTAs, but we'll find stuff to talk about, and we will give you every reason to bear down. Bear down.